Hi folks, I'm joined by men's rights activist and conservative activist Philip Tanza to discuss uh, the unfortunate failure, it appears, of the men's rights movement, uh, because it seems to have um, lost its energy. And it doesn't look like it's going to achieve the goals it set for itself, which I'm not happy to say, I have to say. <laughs> that is a black pill intro. Uh, I will I will try to give, sprinkle a couple of white pills into it. Please. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I've been a I've been a men's rights activist now for oh my god, when did we see each other at the men's international conference? Seventeen, I think. It was. Seventeen. Oh my god. It's been it's been a while. It's been a while. Yeah. So I've been I've been a men's rights activist now for quite a few years. And I think when I joined it, that was obviously pre-COVID. And there was still quite a lot of energy there. Mm. Um, like there were annual meetings, uh, conventions, and they invited you, which was quite a step up for the International Conference on Men's Issues because you were not a, per se a men's rights activist. You were a social commentator and, and quite quite uh, famous and well-known um, and so there was something good going on and I would say then COVID happened mm. and that happened obviously to so many parts of society that just it took a certain energy um, out of um, out of movements out of events and things like that but that's not the the big problem with the men's rights movement and i'm not saying i'm i'm definitely not saying that the men's rights movement is dead not at all and there are amazing organizations that do great work great grassroots work i would say um and i'll mention them later on uh but being in the men's rights movement for quite a while you can't help but notice that um your you're fighting against a flood with a little bucket. Mm. Um, whatever you do, they just throw millions at it to um, to silence you or to ridicule you. Well, one of the things that I noticed with the men's rights movement, to which I've always been sympathetic, really, um, is that the Leviathan is controlled by feminism. Mm -hmm. And so... Any legitimate claims that the men's, right, men's rights movement would make uh, not only fell on deaf ears, because falling on deaf ears is one thing, but it fell on hostile ears, mm -hmm. which meant that it was persecuted, frankly, um, by the feminist-controlled establishment. Yeah. And this meant that the men's rights movement, despite having legitimate claims, could never find any purchase. It could never find anyone in positions of significant power who is able to leverage this and find narratives that would allow that would imbue it with persuasive power to people who had positions of authority and influence and this has been a stopping block the, the feminists are very very um unrelenting on their ability to patrol and make sure that the men's rights movement was unable to gain any purchase anywhere. True, but there are other aspects because even in patriarchal patriarchal structures uh, and even under let's say male dominance, mm. um, the needs of men are not being met. Yes, and obviously, in many ways, the reasons for that are biological. 
we are the providers. We are the ones who are who are expected to risk our lives. Um, are you aware of the term gamma bias? No. Everybody watching, uh, just type in YouTube gamma bias. Um, it is the concept that society, and of that is proven to be correct, that society, both men and women, um, have positive associations with women oh, yeah. and negative associations with men. And uh, that with a woman, it is assumed that she would be the victim and the man would be the perpetrator. Yeah. And so even, even the conservatives have absolutely no immune system against feminism. They might have a little bit of an immune system against the trans issue right now, but why? Because they're simping towards women. And even even the sort of really hardline sort of Pat Robinson, Rush Limbaugh types mm -hmm. uh, failed to stop it. Even even in the most hardcore conservative circles, uh, there's still a place and an honor for women, and therefore the feminist movement has an in. And I'm Absolutely. not saying I'm not saying there should be no place for of mm -hmm. honor for women. Obviously, what I'm saying is it's a it's a it's a back door that the feminist movement can always use. Yeah, and it always has. Yeah. Now I obviously women have a very strong incentive to protect themselves. Um, I would say probably genetically speaking, and it's very mm -hmm. important, and to protect their offspring. They don't feel a lot of protection towards men, which I would say is normal, and that's how it should be. Yeah, uh, Men should feel protective of women and should feel protective of children. But I would say overall, yeah, well... Children don't manipulate it as much um, no, no. because they don't know how to, uh, uh, unless it's their father. Obviously. Yeah, but the 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 thing about that is that <clears throat> how to frame it? It's it's predicated the the I the, the feelings of protectiveness that men have towards women are predicated on men possessing a position of honor in society. Yes, right. The idea that men have a means of protecting women. And if they have been stripped of that means by feminism, then you end up with the kind of society that we end up living in now, where if a man's punching a woman on the street, the other men say, well, it's not my problem. Absolutely. I have no yes. responsibility there. There's no, no noble obligation upon the men anymore because feminists destroyed it. Exactly. So under normal circumstances, I would say that men can never win the gender war. Then they shouldn't want to. That exactly, they shouldn't want to. Unfortunately, women shouldn't also want to win the gender war. But that's what feminism and due to indoctrination, even women um, are trying to do. I think even, oh, yeah. even women that are not feminist leaning, uh, because we, we lived under 70 years of feminism, Everybody now lives under a feminist um, paradigm, paradigm yeah. and mindset. A every young person now is a feminist, whether they know or not. Exactly. They believe in the equality of genders. They believe in literally everything that feminism yeah. produ produced. And it's like... Yeah. So if, if, if men would actually... If, once men stop caring about women, society will fall apart. It is falling apart. <laughs> That's very true. So we're living yeah, yeah. through it right yeah, now. Yeah, that is very true. And you actually saw that first by women not caring about their offspring. Yeah. 
the I would say that abortion, the sacrifice of children um, to freedom mm. and self-fulfillment, uh, that was the women stepping out of their responsibility to society. And yeah. if men do the same thing towards women, and at one point, at least a recognizable number of men will do that, um, I think it's, it's over. Then it's I, th I over. think we're seeing it. Yeah. I mean, it, only about half of women in America are in favor of abortion. Mm -hmm. The other half are Christians. And <laughs> They they don't favor abortion. So women, you know, a quarter of the American population couldn't enforce this, this normality on the rest without a majority of men also having gone along with it. Yes. And so that's men absconding their their traditional position as protectors of children in order to facilitate the liberation of women. Yes. But you cannot take on this responsibility in a society that lives, that strives for the illusion of equality. Yes, there has to be the honoring of the sacrifice of the men by women in society for it to even work. Because otherwise it seems embarrassing. And women would have to, and I know people don't like that word for, and I understand why, uh, women have would have to submit to their husbands. Now, Women, and that's from the Bible, um, women submit to your husband. And it's, it's probably worth qualifying this, right? So when, when a person says that, what they mean is allow the husband to be the man of the house. And because I'm, I'm just thinking of my own wife who is a, she's a housewife, <clears throat> but there's no way she would consider herself in submission to me. Uh, she's, um, an average English woman who speaks her mind, mm -hmm. you know, um, but I am the man of the house and, and I'm the one who says no when she's asking for things, right? Um, so, and they, but, it becomes but, more and more difficult, mm, but she has yeah. to respect the no, right? Because yes. I'm the breadwinner. Yeah, um, which would be the definition of, of submission, but yeah, it, it is it not oppression. Worse, but, it is, yeah. but it is not oppression. Yeah. It is willing submission. And what people ignore is that before it says, woman, sub submit to your husband. It's like, man, give your life mm. for your wife. Mm. We are expected to give everything, defend our family with our lives. So it's not a one-sided deal. No. It's not one person submits. It's actually both submitting to each other in slightly different roles. Mm. Um, but that system obviously is completely broken. Oh yeah. We, we don't have that anymore. There's now a slight trend to go back to traditions, the whole tread wife thing. I think some of that is very wholesome. I think some of them are absolute grifters. I think it's become a fetish. Exactly. And those are the grifters. So my wife, for example, she started watching on, she, she uses TikTok quite a lot and mm. watches really good stuff on TikTok. Recently discovered Andrew Tate. <laughs> Very funny. Because yeah, I don't watch him. Yeah, no, I don't either. Yeah. Um, but she said, oh, he says a lot of really good stuff. But my, my wife, she asked me yesterday and she said, oh, they, I, I started watching these things. There's something something like with 
women that are traditional. I was like, oh, treadwives. And she was like, yeah, yeah, that's, that's the one. And I, I told her, well, I think there are quite a few grifters amongst them that just love the fashion of the, the 50s. Of it, exactly. Yeah. And she said, oh, no, no, the ones that she's listening to, they all have like five, six children and oh. are actually stay-at-home yeah. moms. And they just explain what benefits it has, what um, difficulties mm-hmm. it has. And it's, it's good to see that there is some content out there. Mm. And I think that is through culture, through a change in mindset. It's the only way that, that man's rights um, can be addressed. So are there, just as a quick aside on this, um, there, there's there's two kinds of like uh, trad wife content I've seen. Uh, one is by some twenty something very buxom young lady, uh, who's you know got beautiful blonde hair. She's wearing a very tight dress, and she's uh, the camera is not on her head, but it's on like yeah. you know, and and so this is the fetish aspect. But then you've got like you say the other one where it's a normal looking woman who's got like yeah four kids or five kids or whatever and she's uh just talking about her family life because i yeah. mean my wife shares a lot of this stuff from instagram on her facebook timeline so i see a lot of it um and you know a lot of it's kind of like memes for mums yeah you know and stuff like that which is all quite wholesome but there is there is an aspect of it that there's this one particular account that my wife is constantly going on about because this woman claims you know on her instagram that she every day she gets up and makes fresh food for like seven kids or something and then has a perfect house and then does all this baking. And my wife's like, oh, I'm tired. I don't have the, how does she? And I'm like, darling, it's crafted for Instagram. You know, it is, it is like women, you know, taking photos of themselves where they take six hours to set up the shot, yeah. get one shot and then like, boom, there it goes. And it looks like it's just an off the cuff thing. Mm. It is crafted. And so it's the, the same sort of trap with the beauty influencers actually like you fall into it with instagram for for women who are like trying to be just normal women yeah. basically or di- is his name the liver king the the guy who yeah but like a bodybuilder who who said he, he only ate like a raw meat diet like our ancestors and he was like just like the biggest guy ever yeah. completely on steroids yeah right, right. yeah and co- sham (laughs) so it's it's something quite similar don't trust these people if 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 it looks too perfect then it's not real so yeah no no that's exactly if it if it doesn't have a kind of uh sort of naff look about it you know then it's not real yeah and if they don't say look this sometimes sucks yeah 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 yeah, yeah. it's not then it's not real because sometimes it does if they don't have stress lines (laughs) crow's feet then then it's fake yeah Yeah. exactly so anyway sorry no no it's fine so I think, and so there needs to be a change. And I think we do see a change. I, I think we do see um, young people being fed up with some of the narrative that they are being fed. Uh, when you read the comment un- comments underneath articles, um, in even in newspapers like The Guardians or so, people are sick of it. They are sick of feminism quite often. And they're like, what about man? What about the male experience? And so on. And I would say the vast majority of comments now are against the narrative, which, which is really refreshing. But that doesn't seem to affect policymakers or the media at all. And the, uh, the, I mean, I agree completely. But the, the problem I have is that 
uh, Generation Z are in a position where they are raised as feminists, mm -hmm. so they don't even realize that there are supposed to be discrete spheres of life for men and women specifically. Mm -hmm. As in, and this is something you talked about in the podcast earlier, whereas men do things in a certain way, and it is different how women do things, and it is right and proper that they do things differently to women. And we have raised Generation Z in essentially a unisex society, which deprives them of like indistinguishable things or undiscoverable things about being a man, things you can't properly articulate and formulate in doctrine, but are there regardless. Like the the the, the strength of a handshake or the sort of you know jostling to get through a door. Just really small cultural humor. habits. Yeah, humor, habits and rituals that men do without knowing it, that women don't necessarily like, and sometimes mm. they feel put upon when you're in a male space and a woman comes in, right? And and things like that. And and it goes the other way when a man goes into a female space. Mm. You know, they've got their their habits and I'll tell I'll tell you a little story, and that's that's yeah. a bit of a segue. But I was in Egypt uh, with my ex girlfriend. By that time, we were all she was already my ex girlfriend, so it was slightly awkward. Mm. Uh, but we were on a bus tour from Hurghada to um, uh, Luxor, quite a long bus drive. And because the tour starts very early, at around like four o'clock in the morning, uh, most people sleep on the bus. I don't because I, I want to take in the desert at night and all of that. So I was I was sitting there and my ex-girlfriend, she instinctively used me as a pillow. Because she was tired, she was sleeping, so she used me as a pillow. And I <laughs> I looked around and I woke her up. And I said, could you look around? What do you see? And it was all couples and it was all the same. The guys were awake, actually, or something, or quite uncomfortable. And the, uh, the girls were leaning around the way. And she's like, oh, that's so romantic. And I was like, yeah, it's romantic for you. Or it's, it's so nice. And I was like, yeah, it's nice for you because it's comfortable for you. Yeah, yeah. The guys, they, they have to hold them. That was just the little intro. Mm. But later on, when everybody was awake, um, there were a couple of guys sitting around that were roughly our age, maybe a bit younger, quite fit. And people started eating stuff on the bus, snacks. And I offered them some of my snacks. Then they offered some of their snacks and stuff like that. And I said to my wife later on, said, do you know what's happening? She's she said, well, you're, you're being nice to them. And I was like, no, I'm creating a brotherhood mm. in here. We're establishing trust. Mm. Because if something should happen to this bus... Then we're going to need each other. We're going to need each other. These are the fit guys. And, and I didn't even intentionally do it. But while I was doing it, I was like, I'm, I'm making an alliance of fit guys mm. that could deal with a terror attack or something like yeah. that, which could happen in Egypt. Um, and these are things that we men do without realizing it. Mm. We create brotherhoods, we check if we can trust each other with certain types of humor, with uh, punching the other person, can, yeah. can he take it, can he not take it? Women don't get that at all. No. They, they, they even perceive it as hostile. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
Sorry, I no, 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 no. You're to- you're totally right. Women do not understand how men interact with other men. They just don't understand it. It seems like you say it seems hostile, and um, it seems uh, animalistic mm. to them. They 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 want to get away from that. And yeah. so, okay, fine, you know, but that means there should be male only spaces. Yeah. But of course, this is where the feminists will go. Ah, but this creates patriarchal domination because women are locked out of power. Mm-hmm. It's like maybe. <laughs> Maybe, yeah. but it's good for the men to have these things. Okay, so on the one hand, uh, feminists don't want segregation. On the other hand, and this is where I'm going to start going in, what's happening against men in the UK at the moment. On the other hand, women very clearly want segregation. Oh, yes. So, Especially in vulnerable spaces like bathrooms and oh. changing rooms. Oh, yeah, yeah, and yeah. they but... should have it. <laughs> oh, ab- absolutely, course, but yeah. that's not, not what I yeah. want to talk about. Schools, mm. education. Mm. So there is a push now to push even more, and it's already the case, even more education, indoctrination into the classroom to re-educate boys. Mm. And with the online harms bill, Mm-hmm. That is being pushed with uh, the prominence of Andrew Tate. This is being pushed. Yeah. And so I'm just going to read a headline that I read yesterday. It says, the Women and Equalities Committee are calling for a new government strategy to teach boys in schools about sexual harassment and gender-based violence. And that has already been going on, but it wasn't recognized. It wasn't demanded in the curriculum. It was outside. Um, so third party um, organizations coming into the school and what they would do is they would separate the boys and the girls and they would tell the boys uh, sorry tell the girls that they are empowered they deserve everything um, they can never be disrespected um, Mm. they they can never be any violence against them and so and so forth and to the boys they say um, when you support your girl, um, you can never hit a woman, um, not even in self-defense, obviously. Uh, you can, um, you have to ask for consent. The woman never has to ask for consent. So it's a completely one-sided and gender-segregated um, education that they want to do with exclusive responsibility and blame on the part of the boys mm-hmm. and no responsibility at all on the part of the girls yeah um, which obviously which is what's been going on for women forever now but they're trying to get them younger and younger and younger potentially because they see that some some young people especially boys are waking up well absolutely and this is this is why they're so afraid of someone like Andrew Tate who takes a completely opposite view on feminism and women. and the, But what's worse is that the, the conservatives don't tend to like Andrew Tate because he doesn't promote a healthy masculine view. He promotes quite a nihilistic and pseudo-masculine view. I of, can't comment on that because I don't follow him enough. I've, I've seen enough of his clips to understand oh. the sort of thing they're talking about. Okay. And because I'm not a regular viewer of his, mm. but he... He essentially is taking the role of kind of a bandit, um, where he's like, look, just get what you can for you, because the system is rigged against you, mm-hmm. and it will do everything it can to crush you. The matrix, the matrix he calls it, 
what, which is not necessarily an inaccurate way of framing it, um, is essentially trying to make you into a slave of the system. It has its clients of power, which are the women of the system. You are to be one of the serfs of the power, and you're going to spend your life laboring for someone else's gain. And so get out of that as much as you can, get as much wealth and uh, prestige as you can. But this is not... It, it it fundamentally lacks the essence of what it is to be a man, which is to be uh, dignified and reliable and have people rely upon you. Instead, it's kind of the opposite. It's kind of like what a bandit would do, uh, which is why he had to worry about his girls leaving his compound rather than worrying about stopping too many women making advances on him. Right? Yeah. It's it, The dynamic is completely reversed on, yeah. how, on what a real man should actually be compared to the kind of aesthetic of manhood that Andrew Tate has adopted. And I can understand why they're, they're afraid of Andrew Tate. I can totally understand it. Because if men start viewing women as the enemy in the battle of the sexes, which is kind of what Andrew Tate's doing, then, well, the feminist grift is over. Mm-hmm. Now you've just got two warring camps who are constantly at odds. And you don't really want to make it enemies of men as a class. Well, that would be my question. Your, your intro was very nihilistic. I'm feeling quite like pilled about it. Yes. Yeah. My gut feeling tells me about not just the gender war, but about society, um, the, the whole of society, that something pretty bad has to happen for us to um, realign ourselves with reality. Well, yeah, that seems not, to be the case, right? I don't want that. I assume you don't want that. I'd rather us be able to reason our way out of it. Yes. But it turns out that there are no feminists in the crisis. Yes. It disappears very, very quickly. Now, it's po- I think it's possible that people like Andrew Tate and a movement like that could actually prevent the collapse, just like Brexit could have been something really positive. Hmm. Um, because, and I'll explain that, um we have lived under a push from the left for such a long time that there needs to be a push from the right otherwise society breaks Mm. and the sooner this push comes the better Mm. and it should should be well measured and brexit for example could have been that push if the politicians would have actually lived up to the, the to, to the promise if um, the migrant crisis would have been solved mm. then the, the right would have said wow we did it we were listened to let's meet in the middle because you got a lot we got at least something maybe we can sit on the table again mm. but they were cheated out of it and I feel like the the longer we wait for something truly conservative to come back the the harder the backlash will be yeah if there is a generation of boys um being obsessed with andrew tate and becoming potentially slightly misogynistic um a-holes no not even slightly or 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 massively uh, misogynistic a-holes there is a potential of 
women saying, Ooh, we don't like that. There's not even the pen. They're, they're saying it outright. That's why they want Andrew Tate silenced from everywhere. Yes. If they don't manage, if the wave gets too big, um, they might come to, to the negotiating table. Maybe. That would be just like with Brexit. If hmm. that, I think that would be a good outcome. If uh, the male side, uh, kind of like if there is a warning from the male side, if women feel like, oh my God, we, what are we losing <laughs> in some ways? I doubt it. I'm, I, I don't think that there, the, the wisdom is still in our society to actually um, assess things correctly and the media wouldn't allow it. But, but it would be my, that's my small hope. I, I think you've got a great point here because I think they realize that what Andrew Tate really represents is a generation of young men who are actually not vulnerable to the emotional blackmail of feminism. Mm -hmm. So we don't care. We've been raised in feminism. Mm -hmm. You are the power structure. We are the ones suffering. We need to be able to get what for us, what works for us, even if it's only materialistic, hedonistic satisfaction in the short term. Well, I mean, you set the paradigm. Mm -hmm. You said, well, women can go out and do anything they want. Well, great. We're going to take advantage of that now. And so feminism realizes that actually it's claims on men or reliant on there being a kind of traditional man mm -hmm. to make those claims against. Mm -hmm. A man who thinks, oh, yeah, I have an obligation to women. Well, if you've got, if you, you then through feminism have raised generations of men who don't feel they have obligations to women, why would they listen to you at all? You're a woman. They don't care. But I, I, I think it's unrealistic <clears throat> to think that the, the boys and men that listen to Andrew Tate now will stick for a very long time with Andrew Tate. I don't think that's real, realistic. I don't know. I mean, I, I, who knows? I mean, they're only in their early sort of 20s at the moment. Exactly. I, 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 I do not know. But the, pro the problem is that, and this is what the feminist knows, okay, well, we want to get them as young as possible because then we habituate them. You know, give me the child until he's seven and I'll give you the man. Well, they've had the child and now they're giving us the men and the men they're producing are not the men they wanted. Exactly. And they are very open to someone like Andrew Tate. It's like, look, this was all power dynamics. And the feminist came out and said, this was all power dynamics. It's all about take, take, take. And so, okay, well now, and, and you see this in, in the way that young women approach relationships as merely a transactional event in their lives. And so they have, you know, oh, I don't, it doesn't matter if I've slept with a hundred men, you know, or it doesn't matter if I do OnlyFans or whatever, I can just get whatever I can. And so the men are like, right, okay, well, our relationships with women are purely transactional. Therefore, Andrew takes right about everything about being a man in the feminist system. Mm -hmm. And the feminists are like, okay, but we required you to be the traditional men that we have removed from society. And so maybe in 20 years, there will be a generation of men who are just like, we don't care about women at all. We think you're prostitutes. Possible, I think unlikely, because of our nature. Because I do, think, so. I, I do think that a lot of people still want to pair bond. And my hope would be that an Andrew Tate for young people um, then goes into a Jordan Peterson who, as they grow older, and and I I would I, sorry to interrupt. Yeah. I, I totally agree, but like, there's there's no more bitter an enemy than someone who feels that they have been betrayed, mm -hmm. and I think that a lot of young men will currently feel betrayed. I think mm -hmm. they genuinely feel betrayed by society. There is no position of honor for a young man at the moment. Mm -hmm. There's nothing that they can aspire to. The society is going to collectively applaud that isn't also a position for a woman which will be obviously given preference over the man. So 
the young men are essentially being locked out of honor and plaudits in society. I don't blame them for feeling betrayed at all. I think they have been betrayed. Mm. And so I'm not surprised that Andrew Tate, and Andrew Tate's fan base is very rabid, but they are very committed to Andrew Tate. And it's just like, okay, that's very interesting. That's all, that's all I'm saying. You know, I, I, I totally agree. I would like it if that could be the case, but who knows? You know, if there have been I'm just... 20 years of being a materialistic, transactional product of feminism might make it so that the part of them that would have bloomed, they're, they're essentially what, what um, C.S. Lewis called men without chests, mm-hmm. as in they haven't got the ability to feel that kind of love anymore, maybe. Who knows? I, um, I would assume it, it was always the job of the woman to tame the beast in the man. Yeah. Yeah. Men have not been beasts for a very long time. Yeah. Maybe they're turning a little bit into beasts again. What these men then need are caring and loving women. Um, but where are the caring and loving women? Because feminism, potentially, potentially the women, the women that watch the TikTok content or Instagram t- content that your wife watches, potentially, maybe, maybe, maybe. I, but I, 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 one, I just want to spread some, some, some. No, hope no, I, I, but, but I'm, I'm really pessimistic about this because I, I'm, I'm seeing lots of young men who are like, look, every woman I know is basically a prostitute. Mm-hmm. Like Callum's, you know, like every young man of his age. It's like every young woman views relationships not through sentimentality, but through being transactions. What am I like? And you you see people posting screenshots of conversations where they're organizing dates, yeah. and it's literally the same conversation over and over. The woman's like, "I don't want to pay for the meal," and the man's like, "Yeah, but we're going to go fifty fifty because equality." And she's like, "Well, you know, you pay for the meal," and he's like, "Okay, but what are you bringing to the table?" And she's like, "I'm bringing myself, com- yeah, myself," and it, and he's just like. I what get, am I, I, yeah, am I, I nothing? Yeah, but also you are literally transacting mm-hmm. this date. So I could just pay for a different girl. Yeah. I could pay for a more attractive girl. Mm-hmm. You know, and maybe she's more understanding that there's more weight of obligation on her end of the transaction. Maybe I'll get more from her. And so now it's not about love. We're not talking about how do you feel about each other. You know, did you look at each other and is there a stirring in your breast about like, oh, I, I really want to spend more time? No, now it's about who's getting sex and who, how much the guy's paying for the meal for the sex, right? And so now it's purely transactional. And, and if you've got literally generations of men and women who are unable to look at each other other than a deal, then you can't see love coming out of this. And so I, I'm genuinely pessimistic about it. And this is all the product of feminism. True. You know? So I'm I'm genuinely not optimistic. Maybe the next step is arranged marriage, <laughs> Maybe. which which is purely Maybe. transactional. Maybe why wouldn't it be? You know, <laughs> and what would be the rationale for not? Uh-huh. You know, like, but but I think I mean we did try the love experiment for quite a long time, and the divorce rates are incredibly high, which they weren't when uh, marriage was more calculated i would say well i i don't know how calculated marriage was say 100 years ago mm-hmm. you know because my my grandparents um you know sort of 80 100 years ago they got married and they loved each other but i think there were and they, i don't think that was calculated i think there were honest i i would expect that there was more honesty about expectations like oh, yeah. uh, you're a hard working man oh, yeah. i'm going to bring up the children yes. and so on and i, yes. I so well, i well that's exactly the point they, and they, it's transactional a transactional but in a on way. a moral 
uh, like on a completely different level. It's not about money. Well, it, it's no, no. You are. Yeah. You're right. You're completely right. Like there, there are social expectations that are based in honor and based in obligation. Right. It, she, it is obliged that the woman will do the woman's part of the marriage, and conversely, he is obliged to do the man's part of the marriage. And all of society recognized that the man had a particular honorable position, the woman had a particular honorable position, and they would both fulfill it and be treated with the honor that they deserved by wider society. And they grew up in those, and they fell deeply in love with each other. They, you know, n- none of, neither of my grandparents got divorced. Mm-hmm. You know, they died exactly. together. Exactly. And, and thank God my parents are still together, but that's just not the case because there are no positions of honor. Mm-hmm. Now it's partners. You know, now it's not husband and wife or man and woman, now it's just partners, and they're interchangeable. And so people just move in and move out of them because they're not really that important. Hmm. I wonder what is closer to this this positive approach to relationship? Is it if one side holds up the deal and the other one doesn't and takes advantage, or if both sides are not part of the deal anymore. Now, I, th- I think that maybe that is the step that society has to go through to agree again, this this isn't good. I, I, w- I, I would have hoped that what we see with uh, the collapse of the family mm. and, and uh, what children are going through, I would have hoped that that's already a wake-up call, but apparently it's not, not even for no. conservatives. No, because the conservatives are very permissive of the unisex education that men and women, boys and girls both get. Really, what we should be doing is raising boys and girls differently. And we should be consciously saying boys are boys, and therefore there are a series of boy things for boys to do. Girls are girls, and there are a series of girl things to do. And these are deliberately separate spheres, the consciously separate spheres, because women will become wives and men will become husbands. And you want to prepare them for those roles in life. But we've completely lost that. Now we've got the unisex society where everyone is being bred to be a cubicle monkey. You know, no, you're going to be typing in an Excel spreadsheet on a cubicle. So that's literally what, and that can be done by anyone. You know, that's literally a genderless uh, occupation. Well, so it's communism. It is, yeah. Yeah, no, no, no. It's literally, it's, yeah, exactly. The, the bureaucratic end goal of communism. So it, I, until we decide and consciously move towards an educational system, that is gendered, specifically gendered for the purpose of creating men and women, husbands and wives, I don't see what, how this can repair itself. Yeah, and, and I'm not sure if that can still be accomplished by politicians, by policymakers. <laughs> I think there are some countries where, where they're working really hard towards that. Um, Hungary, now mm. hopefully Italy, and we'll see. We'll see if... if Good luck if, to them. Exactly. Good luck to them, and hopefully, if they if they are succeeding, maybe maybe at one point we we won't be next. Uh, I think Germany might be next at one point. I feel that Germany's way too communist. Uh, yeah. In the educational system, in the political system, but the AfD, but the AF, I gotta say the yeah, AfD, the AfD the, the, the yeah. right wing party in Germany, they are actively anti feminist. So that, that out, is, outspoken and actively anti-feminist, which I would say none of the none of the right-wing <coughs> party in the UK oh, yeah, no. 
are not even like, okay, Lawrence Fox himself would probably say something here and there, but they, they're far too timid. They, they don't have a program of anti-feminism. Exactly. That's the problem. Exactly. Because I mean, I, like, if I were given the option, I'd say, well, yeah, we're going to have separate schools for boys and girls. Yeah. Like that would actually be good for them because oh, boys and girls, it's been proven to learn in different ways. Mm -hmm. Sitting them down in the same classroom, it's no wonder that they've had to drug the boys in order to make them learn like the girls. Mm -hmm. And that's, they're failing in their education. Yeah. You know, and you can see it, you know, in the, in the statistics, it's all there. Everyone can see that young men are failing because they're being expected to be educated like girls. It's like, this doesn't work that way. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and they should be educated by men. Like the, 100%, go, go back yeah, to the yeah. Victorian era, you didn't have young men, young boys being educated by women. It just didn't happen. Have the women educated by women, that's fine. Have the men educated by bloody men. You know, the, the sort of strict old Victorian school teacher who've got the cane and give them a whack if they speak up. I want that for my son. <laughs> my, my, wife, my wife's from Botswana. Yeah. <laughs> and she's undoubtedly oh, yeah. completely oh, yeah. correct on she this went, issue. She went to a Catholic school yeah. Uh, but, and yeah. yeah. And, and she's correct on this issue. Yeah. I, I should have had that. My father had that, mm -hmm. and I want my son to have that. You know, he's not going to get it, but that's what I think he should have. To be honest, I I don't think that I would have reacted well to it. Um, I I I don't think that I would have reacted well to to that authority. I would want it for my children, though. And but and the thing I, is, and I I would have needed a stronger father figure. Yeah. To to uh, because I I didn't have much to be honest apart from my grandfather. But but this could well be because you're a product of your liberal upbringing. Yes, right? very and, much and, so. Yeah, exactly. But if it had always been this way, and it always was this way, so you go into school at like four or five years old, and every school everywhere is just like this, you wouldn't question. Oh no, of course not. That, so that is hundred percent right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it'd just be the normal way that education is done and should be done. Really, mm -hmm. uh, you know, and I I'm I I'm not, you know, I don't I don't think they should be punished for minor infractions, right there. I just think there should be a firm discipline in the schools, especially for boys, and it should be corporal punishment if they deliberately push these boundaries. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You know, 100%. I mean, that doesn't have to be the same for the girls. And I doubt girls really respond very well to corporal punishment, but I know that boys do. <laughs> and, <laughs> I know and, they do. And, and this should happen in collaboration with the parents. Absolutely. But, but now it's like if if a child does something in school something bad in school and they're being punished which obviously they're not allowed to be punished but even if they just have to write something mm. um instead of asking what did you do they like they ask what did the teacher do mm. Mm. and to be honest mm. i would probably do the same now because i don't trust the teachers anymore and why do i not trust wow. the teachers because they're because they're all communists. <laughs> yeah, no, no, it's, 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 honestly, it's totally true. Yeah, like I've got a story. I, I sent my son to a particular private school, and they're, they're good. You know, they're a very good school, and they teach really good bearing and dignity for the young for the kids, which is why I sent my kids there. And but the thing is, like my my son had got he's when he was like six, he'd got into a, a tussle on the playground, mm -hmm. as, as six year old boys do, and nothing particular had happened. It was literally just you know someone shoved the other one, and. Uh, the the authorities in the, 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 in the school which uh, had been like, well, come and tell us. I was like, no, hit him back. You know, if anyone hits you, you hit them back. And my wife was like, oh, oh. I was like, no, no, no. You know, and I, I, t I very firmly drew this line. I was like, and if he's in trouble for that, then I will just say that's fine. You know, if, if the woman running the school isn't happy with the boys punching each other, then that's, that's her problem. You know, I'm not having it. And my wife didn't really understand 
this. But and I was, but I was just so firm. She was just like, "Well, okay then." Does she yeah. does she understand now? I think I think she's still a woman, right? So yeah. she's still she's still like, okay, well, you know, he shouldn't hit back. So no, he should hit back, and we'll settle the dust afterwards. I actually have a very similar case in a neighboring village. A lovely lady. She was a single mom, um, but really good like really invested and um her her son went to the local school and they had a similar situation and she was like you hit back mm. well, she's right. you hit back and if there's any problem tell them to come to me that's like you you solve your own fights if the school wants a fight i'm here yeah and i was like brilliant that's uh, yeah, and and the, do you know where the boy is now and he's in the military Good because he needed a, he yeah. needed structure. He needed he needed some, and and the the mother fully supported that. Mm. I mean, some people just don't have a father present. Sure. And the but is, I think I, she did a good job in that regard. Well, no, she, she was correct. Mm. But the things, and I hate being in adversarial positions to the school's authority, mm. right? Because one of the things I really hate is when parents are just like, "Oh, my child, right or wrong?" No, mm. your child probably did something wrong. Yeah. Right. So you've got to side with the authority of the school and. I want to, but when they're giving just such terrible advice, yeah. I find myself just having to be like, no, just do the right thing. Yeah. So we we looked at school and education and where what um, boys are facing there, um, but obviously our government, our lovely government, doesn't stop there. Um, the the next point where our conservative government um, is completely spineless is with the online harms bill yeah um and the push from the left and and people in the conservative party themselves to uh make misogyny a standalone hate crime hate crime yeah. now obviously you're really lucky here in england or in the uk these parts of the uk uh because you don't have the snp yeah, but Nottingham actually did make it a hate crime in their jurisdiction. Yes, so. that was a test test trial, and yeah. uh, Scotland actually referenced that, and they're oh, using it for 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 theirs. Um, now, here, they they the feminists won't won't get what they want, but they will get a softer version of it because the conservatives never never say no; they just say not that much today ask again tomorrow and we'll give you everything um, and the hate crime legislation in scotland and it will and it's coming here as well uh, there are already proposals there are certain things so there are different aspects to it real crimes assault sexual assaults they're already crimes yeah so a lot of what that covers uh, are actions that are already covered, should be covered, and they are put under this misogyny thing um, to appease feminists in parts and to make it sound like we're really doing something for women. But also, the if, for example, a man would hit a woman and they would say, oh, that's misogyny, the dude obviously gets a longer sentence. Mm. 
now men already get 60% longer sentences than women. So we are moving more and more towards a proper gender apartheid when it comes to sentencing. We're also witnessing the uh, undermining of the common law system. Because one of the, I've, I've thought long and hard about these things. There's a, there's a particular distinction that's being blurred here. Um, the common law system references intent. Mm -hmm. Did you intend to harm that person or mm -hmm. did you not intend to harm that person? The belief that led you to harm that person, to intend to harm that person, is actually kind of immaterial. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter whether you were a communist or whether you were a jealous husband or mm -hmm. whatever. Mm -hmm. You know, It was whether you intended to do it or not. But this is now because of misogyny being a form of belief mm -hmm. uh, is criminalizing uh, wrong thing. It's, Absolutely. It, it's, it's arrived at that point. But that's genuinely concerning because this, oh, this is without precedent in the common law system. We shouldn't yes. have this. Yeah. The, um, so under the hate crime legislation, obviously you have uh, groups like race, but it doesn't say race except of white. Now we all know that that's how it's being applied, but at well, least the, it's... The, there are a few cases know, where it's actually been pushed back on this. Yes. So that's good. Yes. But, yes. But sorry, yeah, yeah, generally and, and, speaking. And why, why can they push back? Because the law is neutral. Yes. And in Scotland, there were consultations about making sex a protected characteristic, and the feminists said no. Because then men no. get to push back. Exactly. Yeah. And hashtags like kill all men, all men are trash, would obviously be covered. We can't have that. There's so much misandry out there that men would actually have a good case. So we can't have that. That's why the Scottish government said, okay, we will not include sex and we will revisit it as a standalone misogyny hate crime law. And so, as I said, part is things that are already covered, but there's also the stirring up hatred part, and that doesn't need to have a victim. So it means a comedian making a joke. Yep. That could be incitement to hatred. Um, well, anything can. Ex exactly, anything. anything can. And if, is it does it run along the same lines as the hate crime laws in Britain, in England, where it has to just be perceived to oh, be yeah. that thing? Yes. Or a third party could perceive it. Exactly, to be that thing. Exa exactly. It yeah. The there doesn't need to be any victim. The government themselves, if I understand it correctly, can just make the claim. Yeah, or a third party, anyone. Exactly, yeah, exactly. That's yeah. awful. Yeah, and um, the, 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 in that proposed legislation, there are, is, are some safeguards for free speech. Hmm. I bet there are. But that really doesn't matter because it has such a chilling effect hmm. that they say, you can discuss the gender wage gap. Oh, thank you very much. Oh. <laughs> that, the, that is literally the example that they give. You can, you can talk about the gender wage gap, which doesn't really exist, not the way they portray it. So they're like, oh, thank you very much that we're allowed to question something that was debunked 15 years ago. Yeah. But it leaves the door wide open to saying, oh, what if you say, well, uh, maybe it wasn't a great idea to give women the vote. Yeah? Well, that'll be hate speech. 
which means that you can't like there are so many conversations religious conversations mm -hmm. as well that you can never have um and that's the whole point mm. that is i and i believe that is the only point to this it's not about um tackling real violence um it's about the chilling effect it's yes. about making sure that we can outlaw people like andrew tate Yes. So that's that's the whole thing. That um, that. But also making it so that the system can't be challenged either. Yes. Uh, you can't overturn this because to get to a point where there would be sufficient political will to overturn it would have in, would have required a lot of hate crimes up until that point. Yeah. And so it prevents all of those people from gaining the political momentum to do any of the things required to do. Yeah. So I'm going to stay with. Scotland, uh, the good, yep. a lot of good news coming from Scotland. Oh, was there? No, no, I didn't. Think, yeah, I, that was well, sarcasm. Yeah. So yeah, I was very surprised. No, by that, that was that was just right sarcasm. <laughs> We've got there no good news from yeah. Scotland. Um, I was surprised all. to hear yeah. it. <laughs> um, so the Scottish government um, wants to do a test trial of juryless rape trial, juryless rape trials oh, that because good. yeah, it's awful yeah. because. Um, feminists say that the rape conviction rate is too low. Yes. Now, it's completely obvious why that is the case, because rape cases and sexual assault cases are almost always he said, she said. Yeah. And if we have the uh, presumption of innocence, it's all obviously really difficult to, to make a conviction, a conviction. E even in absolutely true cases yeah. yeah and i and i'm 100% i know that that's awful i mean imagine you're a rape victim and you don't get justice and the person gets to walk free that's awful sure but the solution to that cannot be that we um change the laws so that more potentially innocent people in that case obviously exclusively men um are going to prison yeah. I mean, the, the only solution would be literally to create an unjust system by design. And Which not is an, exactly what they're planning and on And not doing. an unjust system by accident. Yes. You know, that's the yeah. thing. The, 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 the system would be designed to be unjust, whereas it would be a failing of the system that it, provide, it fails to provide justice. Yes. You know, that's the question that is in the balance here. Yes, exactly. And uh, so on top of the juryless trials, and, and here's actually some good news from Scotland, so, and I'm not being sarcastic right now. Um, seven of the eight, uh, I hope I'm correct saying that, seven of the eight lawyers, guilds or associations protested against it. They oh, said, good. that makes no sense. Yeah. And they, they um, wrote very, very strongly worded um, comments about that, that this is outrageous, um, this can never go, they're not participating in it. And the Scottish uh, government said, we don't care. Of course they did. We, we're still going to do it. Yeah. And obviously they will find some uh, feminist judges that are more than happy to, to yeah. do that. Uh, I mean, in the Scottish, in the Scottish um, universities um, that, that teach law, you have, and I'm sure you have the same here, feminist law. So they are being taught, there's not just law, there's feminist law, mm. which looks at everything through a lens of oppression, yeah. of patriarchy. Well, it's through the feminist lens. Exactly. exactly. And so it's, got, it's, it's preordained who the heroes and villains are. Yeah. 
uh, part of this test trial and what they want to change, and that's coming to the to the rest of the UK as well, is that they want to make it harder and harder for um, evidence to be submitted. So you can't. Uh, they, if there are real doubts, it's going to be harder and harder to look into social media right. um, conversations between the victim and the well, the, the uh, alleged victim and the alleged yeah. perpetrator. Because I'm, I'm thinking of cases where the defendant has said, "Well, she was texting me the next day saying I had a great time," yes. things like that. They don't want that evidence being submitted. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. and that is already the case. Um, I, I looked into some cases. We are like. You're joking. Yeah. I mean, I mean, that's that's literally like in a communist country where you can't bring your evidence to yeah. to the to the trial. So yeah, that's happening in Scotland and um, soon in your theater. <laughs> um, what else? Um, yeah, the big problem. Um, I'm I'm going to bring that in. The big problem that we are facing is that. Feminists, radical feminists, are on in all positions of power. So you have lobby groups, obviously, mm -hmm. Women's Aid and the Fawcett Society and stuff like that. They are funded with millions of taxpayers' money to lobby the government to give them more money and more power. And to do what they're demanding. Ex exactly. Mm -hmm. Um, we have uh, positions called the Victims Commissioner, mm -hmm. the London's Victims Commissioner, and the Domestic Abuse Commissioner. Obviously, all three women, all three radical feminists. Yeah. Um, the Victims Commissioner, um, her name is Vera Bird. One and a half years ago, something really, really bizarre happened because she all of a sudden she was advocating radically for a male victim strategy for male victims of domestic abuse and uh, sexual violence because um, at the moment male victims of these crimes are labeled victims of violence against women and girls yeah that's how biased the system is that is how that is how or orwellian our speech is mm. So we have a strategy, I think 100, I don't want to lie, I think something like 160 pages or so, uh, which is called the Ending Violence Against Women and Girls Strategy. And yeah. it includes uh, female genital mutilation, domestic abuse, uh, sexual violence, uh, forced marriage, and so on and so forth, stalking. Now, in all of these crimes, obviously, you have male victims in, in, in the area of domestic abuse. According to the government, a third of victims, real statistics are over half of the victims are male. Uh, now, they are all victims of violence against women and girls. Uh, about three years ago, I think there was a consultation where victims were asked, um, is there enough support for you victims of violence against women and girls? Now, in this consultation, um, you had to read 3,600 words into the explanation or the description of the consultation to see, oh, by the way, this consultation is also for male victims of violence against women and girls. Yeah. I tried to sue the, sue the government. The Home Office said, it's fully inclusive. 
It says it's for male victims as well. Usually, the government shortens the term violence against women and girls to VAWG, V-A-W-G. But in this consultation, they always spelled it out. So the questions were, do you think there is enough support for victims of violence against women and girls? Yes, no. How is a male victim supposed to, to answer this? If you say no, because there is nothing for men, then women's organization will mm. get more support. Mm. If you say, yes, there is enough, well... Don't need to do anything else then, do exa we? Exa yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So and there, there, There's literally no nothing for a male victim of domestic violence to appeal to. Exa exactly. Yeah. So in the end, there were some uh, like spaces where you could actually write something in. And uh, organizations like Mankind, the Men and Boys um, Coalition, they, uh, they rallied people to fill it out. And even though it was so incredibly gendered, 10% of uh, replies came from men. Mm. And they all said, how dare you, there is nothing for us, and so on and so forth. The consultation was closed, and then Sarah Everhart died, or was oh, killed. Well, right, yeah. And then they reopened it, and then 10 times more people than before replied, but obviously exclusively women, that were understandably highly emotional. So the male voices were pretty much drowned out. Mm. But after this, the victims commissioner that I mentioned before, Vera Bird, that's when she started talking about a male victims strategy. And right. in a language that can only be described as men's rights activist, hmm. she was so strong. And then she wasn't in her job anymore. Right. I, talk, I, I had a Twitter back and forth with her three days ago, two days ago, and she corrected me and she said she resigned and but we don't know why and ever since then so first she was quiet and now she's active again exclusively about women mm -hmm. and i mentioned that and she said oh no no i i tweeted once about the respect helpline for male perpetrators <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they also help male victims, but they're run by women's aid. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so and these people um, are lobbying behind closed doors. They, they, they write letters to, to the lords, to, um, to the house, mm. and provide them with such false information that people can't believe it. In regards to the online harms bill, they were told that women receive 27 times more online abuse than men. It's not true. The truth is that men receive more online abuse. Particularly, uh, there, there was a thing about which politicians receive the most abuse. It was conservative, conservative men. Conservative men, yeah. 100%. Yeah. Now, Diane Abbott and Jess mm -hmm. Phillips did receive some quite a bit negative stuff, sure. but they are very controversial. And I would yeah. say it's also on the men's side, it's also the ones that are the loudest will probably get the most abuse, yeah. but it's definitely not true. Now, my organization, Gender Parity UK, um, we wrote letters to everybody in the House of Lords um, saying, 
you were fed wrong statistics and we provided them with everything. Yeah. Do you know what we heard back? Nothing. Exactly. Absolutely nothing. What's the in what what's the investment for them? That's the question. Like they they don't see any particular need to help you. True. There's I, all I, the institutional would, backing for the feminists. I would say I, I watched some debates from the Lords and I think there are some good people in there, wise people that have worked in the fields that have a legal background and, and stuff like that. I was quite surprised how how wise some of them were. Now they don't open their emails. Hmm. So did they did any of them see our message or was it just that is that's not what we want to hear. Delete. Well, yeah. The the only obviously the only uh, person who said something uh, was Claire Fox, um, and she she spoke out a little bit. But even she is a that's that's gonna sound bad. Well, she's but a communist. Even, she's a woman. She's a fem. Yeah, she's a communist as well. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But I I appreciate what she does. Yeah. I appreciate what she does. Um, but in the end, uh, she questioned it because of her feminism, because she's still uh, functioning under a feminist uh, paradigm, yeah. um, I would say. So yeah, that's, that's, what we're, that's what we're dealing with. That's why we can't get anywhere. By the way, uh, back, when, uh, back in the days when I tried to, legal, uh, tried to legally challenge the, the home office, um, I actually constantly did get replies and they, they um, hired three lawyers to deal with me and it was just me, not, not a lawyer or anything. So that was pretty good, mm. but I don't have any financial backing. Yeah. So in the end, nothing happened. I couldn't do anything. I reached out to 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 some organizations. Uh, I reached out to barristers, but nobody was really interested in the case. Surprise, surprise. Uh, but now, the Home Office actually outsourced or or created something called the Domestic Abuse Unit. Right. And now the Home Office doesn't reply anymore. It's not any. It's not people that sign the answers. It's just the domestic abuse unit that answers you. And it's constantly um, copy and paste answers, yeah. no matter yeah. what you yeah. do. So it's, it's quite smart because back in the days, at least we kept them busy. Now mm -hmm. we don't even keep them busy anymore because they have like, I don't know, 20, 30 people that just say, nope, computer says no. Mm. Um, so it's, it's far even less personal than it, than it was mm. before. And it feels like, I feel like like a midget or something, and like a giant is just holding out the hand, just yeah. trying to box them. And this you is can't get no, anywhere. This is Bertrand Russell's point about the individual versus bureaucracy. The bureaucracy is putatively there to serve the individual, but the individual is powerless against the bureaucracy, and so ends up becoming tyrannized by it, whether they like it or not. And this Absolutely. is exactly what you're describing. Yeah, it's it's formless, it's shapeless, it's yeah. it's. Uh, uh, yeah, it's a. Uh, it can't be reasoned with. <laughs> yes, hundred percent, and and you can't hold it accountable. No. The the thing is, we 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 have so much proof of discrimination, but nobody cares. Mm. And we have we have one guy in um in our group in Gender Parity UK. He's he's an awesome guy, um, and and he his thoughts are sometimes quite 
strong strongly worded and i have to say oh you can't say it like that and then sometimes he says um but we have the data and i was like and nobody listens yeah they're not gonna they're not gonna read it and they're not gonna accept it because exactly, you're, exactly. you're just not in the position of power that you need to be in for that to matter yes that's exactly. what this is another area where stuff is happening is uh, family law mm -hmm. there there is a push for a family law reform Hmm. There is a conservative push for it, with some people being interested in positive change. Right, I would say. But the feminist cabal is so strong that, and it and it's not the UK. The interesting thing is, whatever happens in one place, all of a sudden happens everywhere. Hmm. So now there is a push for family court reform to make it even more biased against fathers all over the Western world. Yeah. Now, at the moment, there is a presumption that contact with both parents is a good thing. That's the presumption. And they want to get rid of that. The feminists. Yeah, of course they do. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, okay. That doesn't surprise me at all. Obviously, under the disguise of safeguarding for the children. How but can it be safeguarding for the children? To well, because of abusive fathers, fathers wow. even though the majority of child abuse is committed by mothers. mothers. Yeah. Now, I think it's fair to say, well, the majority of single parents are mothers, so that yeah. could have an influence and I'm, and I'm absolutely okay with that being brought up because I bring it up uh, but it just shows there's no such thing as an abusive gender mm. or an abusive parent as father or mother there are abusive people yes and we we can't say Oh, the presumption should be there's one safe parent and there's one unsafe yeah, parent. Absolutely. And all the data shows that involvement of both parents is the best outcome yeah. after separation. Well, I, I spoke to Erin Pizzi about this years ago now, mm -hmm. and she pointed out that, um, well, statistically speaking, the safest place for a child to be is with their biological father. Father, absolutely. It's just statistically yes. speaking. Yeah. And it's like, it's probably true. Yeah. Yeah, because uh, even if the single mother is safe, you can't usually say that about the partners of the mother who are yeah. often... Well, uh, ste step parents have a much higher incident of abuse. Ex exactly. Now, if there is a violent stepmother, I think there is a higher likelihood of the father being able to protect the child from that, I, yeah. I would assume. But, but e either way, it's just... Fathers are less likely to want to harm their own children. Yeah. It's just statistically what we are told yeah. by reality. Yeah. Yeah. And as a father, I can totally understand why that is. Yeah. Now, we are pushing against this, um, this feminist version of the family court reform. We're pushing really, really hard. Mm. Um, and there are some incredibly active and capable uh, people out there. Um, I, I, I want to highlight um, a lady called Jen James uh, from an organization called Good Egg Safety. Um, she is 
fighting really hard for the recognition of parental alienation right. um, uh, in the family court from from our organization gender parity uk terry white um, if you ever want to talk about parental issues uh, in the family court Terry White is the person to talk to. He is he's fantastic. And he creates um, uh, brilliant documents with suggestions what could be done, what can be done. Oh, yeah, that was also spearheaded by um, uh, a, a men's rights advocate called Mike Bell. He also created the cross-party, uh, the all-parliament, all party parliamentary group for men's issues. Hmm. Um, so there is something positive happening, um, but the attacks are relentless. Yeah. We can only hope that some people, some common sense people read our proposals, hmm. look at the feminist proposal and say, this is insane. Hmm. It is the, and, and their version of reality is so distorted that maybe, maybe some people will say, we don't even have to look at that. Mm. But my hope is very, very small, very small. Just from experience of the last couple of years, um, everything just got worse. Mm. Um, and, and though you think it can't get worse, it's constantly getting getting worse. I suspect that the only option we have is simply persistence in this. Yes, persistence. And I think, like, I'm full of hope. Mm. I'm full of hope for the future because I'm German. I, I, I know Germany post-Second World War. So even after the darkest times, mm. something, something good and safe and, and productive can grow and then it, well, weak man, yeah, yeah, hard times and so on. So I, I, I do have, I do have hope. But I would really encourage this whole, all of this sounds so black pilled and mm. and and like there's nothing you can do and there's no point to it. But I think that's that's absolutely incorrect. Under every article, write a comment. Mm. Um, if something bothers you about your MP, write a message. If it's your MP, they have to answer. Yep. They ain't going to change anything, but at least you keep them busy. Well, and, uh, and from my experience, so, yeah. so if there's actually something that is important to you and where you're like, okay, I really want this address, send an email to your MP Mm. and then call them. The numbers are public and the people working for them, some of them are really good people, kind people. And most politicians are, they're just humans. Well, this, this is something that I've, um, I've made a point of in the past is they, they are taken up with what they perceive around them. And if their inbox is all day, every day, they're like, well, we've got a dozen letters talking about father's rights. And the next day, we've got a dozen more and a dozen more. Our inbox is just full of this. This must be a real problem for people that are in my, in my constituency that are concerned about this. Therefore, I will think about that. And that, that becomes a part of the sort of map of the world that they inhabit. Because until you start messaging them, they don't know you exist. Why Absolutely. would they know you exist? Yes. 
you know. So, so, so do something. It might not have an effect now, mm. but it's like planting a tree. I mean, you you won't sit under the tree, but maybe your children will. Mm. Um, everything that you do has an effect. Yeah. Everything. Um, so I, I would I would tell everybody. And not just in regards to man's issues. Mm. Speak up, do something, um, find the right measure. Um, we had what was her name? The the um, in the Guardian article, the feminist. Oh, uh, Caitlin, is it Caitlin Moran or something? Yeah, Moran. Moran exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I kind of made, made yeah, that yeah. joke. Exactly. Yeah. Caitlin Moran. That's how we're going to call her now. So she wrote this article about men's issues. And 70% of the this article were, was brilliant. She, she really recognized the issues and they were men's rights talking points. And then she said, and that's why we need feminism. Yeah. And, yeah. and she... And, and instead of highlighting some real issues like father's issues, because that is too dangerous of a topic, she could not talk about that. She can only talk about the safe, safe stuff. But and notice how yeah. she she blamed fathers for not having a culture of fatherhood, and it's mm. like, well, I mean, it was destroyed. It Absolutely. used to be there. Yeah, yeah. But the comments on Twitter towards her. I thought were 100% understandable, but not productive. People were quite angry, were they? Really angry. How dare you say something about man, uh, your woman's planning, which I said as well. But I said, thank you so much for taking notice of these men's issues. Um, there was a bit of woman's planning going on, and maybe you should listen more to men. And I think when somebody looks in the right direction or takes one step in the right direction, don't push them away. Yeah, encourage it. Encourage yeah. them. Say, nice try, like seriously nice try. Um, would you like to know more? Here's, let's have a conversation. Um, because after, after this response, mm why should she talk about it again? Um, because why was, would she want to? Yeah. Why, why would she want to? So I'm trying, I'm going to try to go to her book, uh, book, book reading mm -hmm. um, to maybe ha have an opportunity talking to her. I mm. would like to give her the movie The Red Pill mm. um, just to learn a little bit more Maybe the solution is not feminism. Maybe the solution is actually listening to men and boys. A lot of people said, leave us alone. And I disagree with that. As but I a, can understand why they would say Oh, 100%. Yeah. 100%. Totally understand oh, why I they would I completely it. understand. But the thing is, as a men's rights activist, I know that we can't win. Hmm. We need people from the other side. We need double agents. Mm. We need somebody who, who's like Cassie J from, from the Karen Red Pill. Karen, well, she was, I don't know, she was never a feminist per se. And she sure, would, sure. But you need somebody who's already in the system mm. who says, maybe we should change a little mm. bit. 
as soon as the change comes from outside, they will dismiss it. If somebody on the inside says, imagine, imagine, and then that would be the last thing that anybody wants. So I shouldn't even mention it. I shouldn't mention it. But if let's say something really bad happens to the child of, of some feminist. Um, Caleb Moore. Or, or yeah, or Jess Phillips. Um, and I don't want that. I, I, on no yeah, circumstances no, would I want that. Um, but I would just wish that they say, oh my God. That could be my son. That it could be my son. They're having a really hard time. Hmm. And I think that uh, uh, Caitlin Moron is, been, is doing that. Hmm. And now she needs encour encouragement in, in some ways very likely that she's just going to snap back to her like radical feminist ways but um it is least... something though. Uh, yeah i hate to say man but we're out of time now Absolutely. so um honestly thanks for coming in this has been a really interesting conversation uh, where can people find you if they want to see more i would say so um yeah i'm on i'm on uh twitter as a philip tancer one at philip tancer one and if there are people out there that are for example lawyers or uh, journalists or that that are quite capable yeah. of of constructing um things documents stuff like that and you would like to do something in the area of men's rights uh please reach out um to me, um, you can reach me uh, under uh, Philip Tanser at genderparity.uk. So that's Philip Tanser at genderparity.uk. Reach out and um, yeah. The, the reason why I'm say why I say we need people that are capable is because we are relatively incapable. <laughs> no, I'm we have Terry White, we have really good guys, but we need people that we don't have to take by the hand yeah. and say, oh, let me show you what we can do. We need some people that have energy. And I, I'm pretty sure you know exactly what that feels like because yeah. you have professionals around you. Right. You don't have to tell them what to do. When I come here into the studio, everybody's working really hard. Oh, That's they're all brilliant. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm so lucky. But anyway, thanks a lot for joining Thank me. Thank you so much for having me again. Take care, folks.